today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. What in the world is going on that God, when he wants to give us an answer or to speak to something from us, that the enemy can even delay that in that kind of a time frame? That there is a spiritual battle that's going on, even as you and I sit here tonight, that as we, man, we lift our prayers up to God, maybe the delay is because God wants to delay. Maybe the delay is because there's a spiritual battle going on in bringing you that very answer. It ought to cause our brains to at least, you know, spin a little bit when we look at things like this and understand the greatness of that battle that's going on. Have you ever imagined what it would be like to see the spiritual realm that surrounds you? It would be overwhelming. Thankfully, God has prevented us from seeing it. While it might be wonderful to witness angels at work, it would be equally terrifying to see the forces of darkness fighting against them. As Pastor David explains in today's message, it's impossible for us to see the scope of everything that's happening on a spiritual level, but you can have confidence knowing that God is fighting on your behalf. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Daniel chapter 9 as he continues his message, Visions for the Times and for the Future, Part 2. There's a period of time, there's one week, a seven-year period, that is not included. He's saying you're going up to 69, then something's going to happen. What's going to happen? Well, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. Again, when we look at this, there's been great amount of studies on all of these as far as the timing and everything. Sir Robert Anderson, back in the late 1800s, did a study on Again, the time factor in the Jewish calendar, 360 days to a year, going back to the very time where uh, I believe it was Darius that gave the okay to Nehemiah to go back and rebuild the city. Not Ezra rebuilding the temple, but Nehemiah rebuilding the city of Jerusalem and counting off the days, the years, all until the time of Christ's arrival. Sir Robert Anderson says it is the very day that Jesus came in on the triumphant entry right into the city of Israel and saying that that is the time that Messiah came in and within just a few days, he is cut off, but not for himself. In other words, he is cut off, why? For our own sin. He sacrificed for our sin. That's why he is cut off. Then there is a season of time. As a matter of fact, once he is cut off, the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The prince of the people to come destroying the city and the sanctuary. The destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. In other words, just shortly after the time of Messiah's coming. And with that, speaking of the, the time, there is a blank space of time in there 
until the coming again of the final seven weeks. That's called, in other places, the time of the Gentiles, the time of, again, these abominations that are taking place, that all of these things will happen. So we look at these things, we understand it's, it's tough to pull it all together on one simple verse, but this is where this all comes. The prophecy speaks about this future ruler that comes and makes a seven-year covenant with Israel, and then he breaks it after three and a half years. In the middle of the week, he's going to come and he's going to bring an end to the sacrifice and the offering. Many say that at the beginning of the tribulation period, I believe after the rapture of the church, that there's going to be a, a, a season of, of peace that the Jews are going to be able to build then the third temple. Once they build the third temple, the ability then to be able to restore the animal sacrifices in that third temple. But about halfway through that time, that seven-year period that we call the tribulation period, and about three and a half years in, that one, that antichrist, that ruler will come in. He'll bring an end to the sacrifice and the offering. And on the wing of abominations shall be the one who makes desolate. Again, speaking that he will come in, he will set himself in the temple, set himself up as God. And again, at that point in time, the final three and a half years of great and severe tribulation taking place. So let's look at 10. Daniel's vision. Daniel's, uh, again, another vision. This one in the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia. A message was revealed to Daniel, okay? Daniel had been mourning for three weeks, verse two tells us. He's on the banks of the Tigris River, and he sees a man that's clothed in linen, girded with a golden belt. His face was like lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and his feet like burnished bronze, and his voice like that of a multitude. Now, it's interesting when we look down here in verse 7, he says, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me didn't see the vision. But a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hid themselves. It's interesting when Saul of Tarsus was on his way to Damascus. Remember the bright light that, that was so severe that it literally knocked him off of the horse and the voice came. And it says that those that were with Saul, they didn't see the light, they didn't hear the voice. God was speaking to him particularly. And here we see that something's going on. His companions realize something's going on. They're terrified. They ran off, but they didn't see the fullness of the vision. So the man says, as he speaks to Daniel, that, uh, man, when you first started praying, I was on my way to you. Verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you. Stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. I would too, after you understand all that he's seeing here. Verse 12, though, comes to him and says, don't fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Now, here's an interesting thing. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. 
Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision refers, again, once again, to many days yet to come. So before we even get to the vision, man, this whole interaction with the angel says, hey, your prayers, we heard your prayers and I was coming to get you but, or coming to speak to you, but suddenly, I, I, man, I got tied up with the prince of Persia and delayed me for 21 days. Michael had to come and help me to get out of that so that I could come and give you this vision or to declare to you this message from God. Now, by now, your brain ought to be swimming because you wonder, man, in the spiritual realm, what in the world is going on that God, when he wants to give us an answer or to speak to something from us, that the enemy can even delay that in that kind of a time frame? That there is a spiritual battle that's going on even as you and I sit here tonight, that as we, man, we lift our prayers up to God, maybe the delay is because God wants to delay. Maybe the delay is because there's a spiritual battle going on in bringing you that very answer. It ought to cause our brains to at least you know, spin a little bit when we look at things like this and understand the greatness of that battle that's going on. Angelic warfare, absolutely. Demonic warfare that's going on all around us, Absolutely. Beloved, if you don't believe that there is a spiritual realm with demonic uh, activity going on and angelic activity that's going on, you're fooling yourselves. I remember years ago, I thought, Lord, why don't you just unzip that veil? Let me see what's going on in, in that realm. Praise God, he did not do that because I believe that it was scared me absolutely to death. I mean, I even look at this thing as, as, as this angel is coming and speaking to Daniel. No wonder he stood up trembling. I mean, this angel is before him with all its magnificence and he's speaking to him about this, man, I had this battle that was going on. It detained me for 21 days, Daniel, but man, I'm here now uh, because of your prayers and because God wants to give you this answer. Yeah, I believe that his head was probably spinning. Now, again, we get into this when he, uh, in verse 15. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and I became speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the Son of Man touched my lips and then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, my Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. Verse 18, then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me and said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, peace to you, be strong, yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. And he said, do you know why I've come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I've gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. Also, in the first year of Darius, the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. And then he goes on, and now I tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings 
will arise in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than them all. By his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all against the realm of Greece. And then it goes on and on. As a matter of fact, chapter 11 is one of the longest and some of the most detailed of the prophecy. Again, a real struggle for skeptics to look at that and say, there's no way that Daniel could have had that prediction or that vision 200 years before what took place. Because what we see here, not only is it kind of hard to track through chapter 11, but the parallel with the historic facts that we find out is absolutely amazing. And and again, some 200 years before the events that took place. We read here about a mighty king's empire that's gonna be divided into four parts at his death. Um, We look at uh, verse three. The mighty king shall arise, he'll rule with great dominion, do according to his will. When he is arisen, the kingdom shall be broken up and divided toward the four winds of heaven, but not among his posterity, nor according to his dominion with which he ruled, for his kingdom shall be uprooted even for others besides these. You've heard of Alexander the Great. If you've ever uh, read the story or understood the story of Alexander the Great, that when Alexander the Great passed away, he did not have an heir, a, 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 a son, someone to pass that kingdom on to. So four, believe it, four of his generals took over Alexander the Great's kingdom, not of his posterity. His posterity was broken up to the four winds given to others. We see all of that, the division of the empire. Two of the largest and the most powerful of his four generals were Ptolemy, who again took the southern portion, which included northern Africa, uh, including Egypt, uh, and some of the coastal regions of the Middle East. The other most powerful of the four was Seleucid, and he had the rule over Asia Minor and eastward on into Persia. Now, verse five tells us that the southern part uh, shall become strong as well as one of his princes, and he shall gain power over him and, uh, and, and have dominion. His dominion shall be a great dominion. Well, that was Ptolemy. Now, Ptolemy became the strongest, the one in the southern kingdom, North Africa and Egypt, 200 years after this is written. Now, in the midst of all that, he's joined by marriage to the king of the north. Look what it says in verse six. At the end of some years, they shall join forces for the daughter of the kingdom of the south shall go to the king of the north to make an agreement but she shall not retain the power of her authority, neither he nor his authority shall stand, but she shall be given up with those who brought her and with him who begot her and with him who strengthened her in those times. So let me try and put it all in a nutshell real quick. There's an alliance made between Ptolemy and Seleucid, the two kingdoms, kingdom of the north, kingdom of the south, two of the four kingdoms that came out of Alexander's kingdom. Okay, the kings of the north and south, they're gonna be allies for a while, but again, the arrangement doesn't last. History actually tells us that the marriage between Antiochus II, one of this family of the Seleucids, and Bernice, who is the daughter of Ptolemy II from the southern kingdom, they got married. 
There was peace for a time because of that marriage between these two. Now, when you think about a map, this northern kingdom, this southern kingdom, who's in the middle of those two, gang? Israel, Israel. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. During one of our Israel tours, one of our tour guides was a fellow by the name of Ronnie Simone. We've had Ronnie a couple of times through the years actually come and share with our fellowship. Ronnie is not a Christian. He is a Zionist. He's a Jewish Zionist. He is a retired lieutenant colonel with the Israeli Defense Forces, an absolutely highly intelligent guy. He knows the history of Israel and not only Israel, but all of that region. I mean, to the T. And one of the things that he brings up is, he says, when we look at the Bible, we see the center piece being Israel, and everything is focused on Israel. When we back up a little bit and we look at world history, we see all of these events going on in world history, but it's interesting that during that time frame, the centerpiece still comes back to Israel. Israel's right in the middle place of these two battles, or these two great empires. It is the land bridge, if you would, from all of Europe and Asia down into Egypt and Africa. You're not going to go through Saudi Arabia. No, you're going to go down through the area of Israel. And that's why that was such a, 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 such a battleground during this time for so many of these empires. Well, now we have this marriage going on between the daughter of the southern kingdom and one of the uh, sons of the northern kingdom. But problem is, Ptolemy, the father of the daughter, he dies. And at that point in time, the son up north, he takes Bernice, his wife, the daughter of Ptolemy, and he just kind of puts her away, just kind of locks her away. And then he goes back to his old wife, Laodice. Now, Laodice comes back. Now, she's married to him in the northern kingdom. She's really ticked off because he had put her away in order to marry Bernice in order to make this alliance. Now, Ptolemy is out of the picture, so he puts Bernice away, gets Laodice. Laodice comes back and says, I'm pretty well ticked at you. So she ends up not only murdering Seleucid, she poisons him, but she also murders Bernice. They're both gone. Now, verse 11, again, speaks to us about all the confusion. The king of the south shall be moved with rage. And because again, the, the daughter was killed up there. And go out and fights with him with the king of the north who shall master a great multitude. The multitude shall be given into the hand of the enemy. And on and on and on it goes. Once again, history tells us that Ptolemy the third the son of Ptolemy, the brother of Bernice, avenges the murder of Bernice, his sister. He invades Syria and defeats Seleucid, defeats Seleucid II. Then the sons of the king of the north, then they're going to continue on in the battle. One of the sons is going to conquer the Holy Land area. Now again, that area had stood as a buffer between the kings of the south or the north and the kings of the south. But now the kings of the north are down there in that area. So the king of the south 
tries to gain an upper hand, and now he comes and he rules over the glorious land. And again, that's all of chapter 11, is this continual battle back and forth, trying to gain, again, uh, uh, the, the ability to rule over the area, that glorious land. And I could go on and on and on against that, but it's just like crazy insane about how detailed it goes. Quickly, let's look at chapter 12. At the time, my, at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of the people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone, what does it say? Everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth Earth shall wake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, I want you to shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Till the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on the river bank, the other on that river bank. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, how long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Verse seven, then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, when he held out his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, a times, and half a time. And then the power of the holy people shall be completely shattered and all these things shall be finished. Although I heard, I didn't understand. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time, here it is again, that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days, three and a half years. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the one hundred. Uh, 1,335 days, but you go your way till the end, for you shall rest, and I will arise to your, and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. We can look again at the parallels that we're going to find in the book of Revelation on these end time things, and you realize, man, what God is speaking to Daniel here in uh, the, the mid uh, 500 AD time frame. And what God spoke to John there on the Isle of Patmos in the early or mid to late first century, man, parallel so well. And if those things, so many of them, we've seen already have been fulfilled historically through, again, Alexander the Great. We've seen the fall of the nation of Israel. We've seen the rebirth of the nation of Israel. All of these things It should be a constant affirmation for us that God has a plan, God has a purpose, God has times and seasons already nailed out. And beloved, I do believe that we are in the last of the last days and many of these things we're gonna see continually 
being fulfilled until the Lord takes us home. As our time with you today winds down, we'd like to share where you can listen to today's message again. You'll find this and other teachings from Pastor David and The Open Word at theopenword.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an edition of the program. Right now, let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick message from the heart. Hello, friend. I'm so glad you joined in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. He's the reason I teach every week at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I want as many people as possible to know and believe the message of the gospel. If you'd like to know more about what Jesus' life and death means to you, I'd encourage you to call us. We have some great people here who would love to pray with you and answer your questions. Our number is 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. Know that I'm praying for you, too. And I value you greatly as a listener and brother or sister in Christ. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to invite you to come see us in person as well at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. We have services every Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday. And you'll be able to find more information at theopenword.com. Just click the church link at the bottom of the page. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Join us next time to continue our journey through the Bible right here on The Open Word. Make us more.